Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. And when you think of South Florida, you think of Miami. When you think of Miami, you think of South Beach or Sobe. And then you think of the pastel-colored Art Deco hotels that line the beach. You think of J-Lo's bud at the Super Bowl halftime. And you think of the Fountain Blue. It's a lavish mid-century resort-style hotel built in 1954 by Ben Novak Sr. The beautiful 1,500-room property up the stakes in the high-end resort game. Its signature facade has been seen in numerous movies, including the James Bond film Goldfinger, Scarface in 1983, The Bodyguard with Whitney Houston in 1992, and also Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach in 1988. So its unique design, including its elaborate two-story grand staircase, earned it a place in the U.S. National Register of Historic Places. It was amazing. They had this stairway to nowhere, which was like some kind of thing for the brides that would walk down. It would look like it was just coming out of the clouds. It's also notorious for something called the Spite Wall. And I'll tell you about that in a moment. But first, let's start with Narcissa Sira Velez Pachenko. She wasn't rich. She was born in Ecuador, and she was working as a stripper under the name Sylvia when she met her future husband, the son of Ben Novak Sr., Ben Novak Jr. And when they met, Sylvia had garishly dyed and permed blonde hair, and she wore low-cut, tight tank tops, featured her figure, Later photographs show her, though, she grew into the role of a wealthy trophy wife. So she married the son of Ben Novak Sr. Ben Novak Jr. inherited some of his father's ruthlessness in business. So Ben Novak Sr. built the Fountain Blue in 1954. He announced at a press conference he was going to build the largest luxury hotel on Miami Beach and that he was using New York architect Morris Lapidus. But less than two years after the hotel was built, Lapidus got another job offer from Harry Mufson, Novak's former business partner. Mufson, who had a falling out with Novak, had purchased the property just north of the Fountain Blue and wanted Lapidus to design a hotel for him as well. So as a courtesy, Lapidus told Novak of the offer and he was livid. He told Lapidus if he took the job, he would never talk to him again and he would bar him from the Fountain Blue forever. Lapidus accepted Mufson's offer anyway, and he created the Eden Rock. So they sat side by side, the two Lapidus hotels. They thrived. They hosted celebrities such as Frank Sinatra, Jerry Lewis, Elizabeth Taylor, Marilyn Monroe. They became the epicenter of Miami Beach glitz and glamour. So Novak still wasn't happy. So in 1962, he built a 14-story addition on the northern end of the Fountain Blues property that was positioned to cast a shadow on the Eden Rocks pool for much of the afternoon. Basically, he built the spite wall between the Fountain Blue and the Eden Rock, and the position of the Fountain Blues 1962 edition served one purpose and one purpose only, to shade the pool at the Eden Rock. So the tower faced the Eden Rock with a vast blank facade that locals did nickname the Spite Wall. And the wall, in fact, had a set of windows incorporated in Novak's suite so that he could look at the shaded pool below. So the landmark case, the Fountain Blue Hotel versus the Eden Rock, made it all the way up to the Florida Supreme Court. 
and the Supreme Court found in favor of the Fountain Blue, saying that the Eden Rock had no legal right to the free flow of light and air from adjoining land. The Eden Rock argued that this interference with sunlight and air violated its air rights and was causing Eden Rock to lose profits because its resort now was less desirable for guests wishing to use the pool. The Eden Rock also alleged that the construction plan was based on ill will between the two owners of the resorts. So the Eden Rock hired Lapidus to design a new pool on the opposite end of the property from the original one and over time the animosity finally faded. Finally, in 2008, the Eden Rock put an end to the spite wall for good by building a 21-story tower of its own that blocks the view of Novak's wall. So Narcy and Ben had a tumultuous 19-year marriage. It was marred by allegations of cheating, amputee porn, sadomasochism. And in 2002, a bizarre event happened involving Ben being hogtied that foreshadowed the gruesome crimes that were to follow in 2009. It started out as a typical domestic abuse call to the Fort Lauderdale police. And then it turned out to be really, really weird. Fort Lauderdale police showed up at their home and found Novak bound, gagged, and hogtied and held hostage by several men. And she told police that $370,000 in cash and stuff was stolen. And she attributed the incident to their bizarre sex life. Narcy would eventually tell police that from the time he was a teenager, Ben Novak Jr. was obsessed with cops, Batman, sex with amputees. What is he, like Tony Soprano? child pornography and sadomasochism with her, his wife. He had a lot of fetishes. He had the second largest Batman collection in the world. They did file for divorce but stayed together and Narcy had another bizarre assertion. Narcy Novak claimed that Ben broke her nose and then sent her to have plastic surgery to fix her busted nose and when she woke up from the surgery, she also had breast implants. Now remember, she was a stripper, so you would think she would be sort of endowed in the breast area. And, you know, by the way, doctor, my nose is up here. <laughs> but despite the breast enhancement, Ben's eye wandered. Enter a new woman. So, Narcy was a stripper, this woman a porn star. Her name, Rebecca Bliss. And she became the new girlfriend of Ben Novak Jr. And Narcy found out about her and was not happy. Here's what Rebecca Bliss told 48 Hours. One time uh, she said that she was trying to offer me some money to um, leave him alone. No, no, I told her no right then and there, no way. She called up the condo where I lived at like six months before he died and told the people at the front desk that he couldn't pay my rent anymore because he was dead. And this is six months before then. So his lover, Rebecca Bliss, the one-time porn star, claimed that she met Novak on a website and the two had fallen in love and that she believed that he was going to leave his wife. And then Ben set her up in the comfortable apartment in Fort Lauderdale, bought her furniture, sound equipment, paid for her to have lavish spa treatments, and even bought her a puppy. Rebecca Bliss thought that Ben Novak Jr. should have taken the 2002 incident to heart, but he didn't. Narcy always suspected Ben of cheating. She was a very jealous woman. So the bloodshed began April 5th in 2009. It involved hitmen. It involved Ben Novak Jr. and his 85-year-old mother. Bernice Novak's home, she's Ben's mom, was at 2737 Northeast 37th Street in Fort Lauderdale, which is in Broward County. 
And on April 5th, 2009, it was getting dark and Bernice was wearing her slippers and her nightie and she wandered out into the garage. She wanted to pull her car into the garage and she got in the car, pulled it in. And as she was getting out of the car, something happened and she wound up on the garage floor. Now, the autopsy showed that her teeth were broken along with a finger and that her skull was cracked. And Fort Lauderdale police and the Broward Medical Examiner ruled the death an accident. You know, the Emmy and police theorized that she tripped and fell. She's an 85-year-old woman, and she lost her balance. There's blood in almost every room of the house. The investigator felt that, you know, it was one of those things where she would stand up and fall down, stand up and fall down, and walk all over the house. Her son had found her body the next morning, drenched in blood, with blood smeared in her car, the garage, and throughout the house. Apparently, she dragged herself from inside the car into the house where she tried to clean up the blood, and then she collapsed and died in the laundry room. But then how do you explain the blood spatter? So just tuck the death of Bernice Novak, the accidental death, quote-unquote, in the back of your mind, as I tell you about another death. So in January of 2009, Narcy Novak became aware that her husband Ben was having an affair with a former porn star named Rebecca Bliss, and she wasn't happy about it. And that's when she tracked down Bliss to offer the $10,000 to stop seeing her husband. Of course, she refused. Her husband continued the affair. And so Narcy decided that she was going to as a metaphor, build a spite wall, or should I say, order a spite hit. So look at the chronology. Bernice Novak is found dead in her home in April of 2009. She was actually dead from April 4th to April 5th. Her body was found on the 5th. And then this is after Narcy found out about the affair in January. And when she found out about the affair, she was afraid that her husband, Ben, was going to leave her. Apparently, Narcy wanted her estranged husband of 21 years and her mother-in-law dead so she could inherit the family fortune, which was estimated at $8 million. And she feared her husband was going to leave her for the ex-porn star, Rebecca Bliss, and that the prenuptial agreement would only provide her with $65,000. So Narcy enrolled the help of her brother, and they focused on getting her husband out of the way. So in addition to his $10 million estate, they intended to take control of his company, Convention Concepts Unlimited, which largely planned Amway conventions, and it reportedly grossed $50 million a year. So on July 12th, so that was January she found out about the affair, April the mother died, And then July, Narcy enlisted her brother, Cristobal Velez, to head up to New York, where her husband, Ben Novak, was hosting a conference for Amway at the Hilton, and he was staying in the penthouse. Now, Velez had enlisted the help of two other men, Alejandro Garcia and Joel Gonzalez. The two were actually the muscle, the hired hitmen. And that morning, after working most of the night, Ben Novak climbed into bed about 6.30 in the morning to get a few hours of rest. And at about 7 a.m., Narcy Novak opened the door to their suite. Garcia and Gonzalez entered. She motioned toward the bedroom where her husband was lying there sleeping, and the two thugs began pounding him with pink and blue barbell weights. Then they bound his arms and legs with duct tape and wrapped his mouth so tightly with tape that he choked on his own vomit. Now, the plan was not to kill him. But Novak told them to finish the job by gouging out her husband's eyes with a utility knife 
purportedly the last act of a wife who had endured years of her husband's sexual perversions and infidelities. The two would later testify that the instructions Narcy gave them included blinding Ben Novak Jr., so they slashed his eyes with the utility knife. They also testified that Narcy Novak identified her husband to them in advance by stroking his hair in a restaurant as they watched. And they said on the day of his killing, Narcy Novak called Velez, who said, well, she's ready, let's go. Apparently, at first, the plan included cutting off Novak's testicles, but that evolved into slashing out his eyes with a utility knife. So Novak had brought his wife, Narcy, and her daughter, May Abad, to the 455-room Hilton for yet another Amway conference. And later, Narcy would try to blame her daughter, May, for the murder of her husband. But police realized the keycard lock had not been used by anyone else after Narcy had left, and police believed that Narcy let the murderers into the room. It was obvious that he'd been sleeping when he was attacked, so we didn't believe he had walked to the door and opened the door up to somebody. The only one else that had access to that room was Narcy. Narcy had told police she left the room to get breakfast, and hotel security videos show her leaving the room, but the killers didn't break into the room, they didn't bash down the door, and they didn't use a key card. She told police she returned to the room 45 minutes later and found the gruesome scene. In the last minutes of Ben Novak's life were spent on the floor, bound and gagged. Duct tape was used to bind his hands behind his back and his legs together around his knees. He had been brutally bludgeoned, and later it was determined that he may have been suffocated by a pillow or he suffocated on his own vomit. He lay face down on the floor covered in blood, hogtied. Yeehaw! And when police arrived at 7.57 a.m., he was already dead. A murder weapon was not immediately identified by police. So after Ben's death, Narcy cleaned out the safe deposit boxes, began to liquidate some of their assets. And during her initial interrogation by police, she flunked her polygraph test. So if they get caught, he dies in the position that he finds sexually aroused. When I left Ben, he was not tied up. Ben was so the investigation soon led New York detectives to Garcia and Gonzalez, who lived in Miami. And Garcia said he was paid $600 to beat Bernice Novak, the mother of Ben, which her case, remember, was ruled an accident. So what really happened to Bernice Novak in the garage? Apparently, the plan was to hit her in the teeth and give her a good beating. That's what Garcia testified to at trial. Garcia then fled, leaving the Novak matriarch sprawled in the front seat of her car. Remember, she went out in the garage at night to pull her car in, and when she did, she was attacked by the two men. There was a, a lot of blood on the seat, but I saw some blood spatter. So if they're spatter, that means she was struck more than once in the head while sitting here. And she was able to pull herself out of the vehicle and get inside her house, where she tried to clean up the blood and collapsed and died in the laundry room. That's where her son found her the next morning, drenched in blood. So the death certificate of Ben Novak Jr.'s mother finally reflected she was a victim of homicide. The Broward Medical Examiner, Joshua Perper, you remember him from the story I told you about last week with the FBI agent who killed the two brothers on 95. He was going the wrong direction, and the FHP initially said that the brothers were going the wrong direction. Not only was the FBI agent driving in the wrong direction and at fault, he was also drunk. And the medical examiner, Joshua Perper, got to the bottom of that story. Well, now, this time, he said that based on new eyewitness testimony, it's clear 
Bernice, she was either 85 or 87, Novak was bludgeoned to death in April of 2009 in her Fort Lauderdale home. And he said, this is the first time in his 16 years heading the Broward Medical Examiner's office that he's ever had to change the manner of death on a death certificate from accidental to homicide. Perper's new findings came a day after federal prosecutors announced in court they believe the wife of Ben Novak Jr. helped plot his murder and his mother's death so she could lay claim to the family's multi-million dollar estate. So Narcy Novak and her brother Cristobal Velez recruited the two goons, Garcia and Gonzalez, to attack Bernice Novak using information provided by Narcy Novak. And the men snuck up on the elderly woman and struck her with a monkey wrench. Man, she's 85 and she survives the attack enough to drag her body into the house. What a tough old broad. So Ben Novak Jr. was bound with duct tape, beaten to death with dumbbells by hitmen sent by his wife and brother-in-law during the July 12, 2009 attack at the Rybrook Hilton. His mother, 85-year-old Bernice Novak, was beaten to death with a plumber's wrench on April 4, 2009. So they had to look into that death. Garcia and Gonzalez were both paid $15,000 and $3,500 respectively to kill Ben Novak, and they testified against Narcy. The 56-year-old former Hialeah stripper was convicted of 12 of the 13 counts against her. Her brother was convicted on 14 of 15 counts. Bloody photographs had been shown to the jury, and apparently the crime scene photos were the worst. Garcia said the plan was to beat up the victims, not kill them. He said Ben Novak was to be injured so severely that he would have to retire and Narcy Novak would take over his travel company. But Narcy's attorneys, the defense attorney, said that May Abad, her daughter, who wasn't charged, would benefit by ordering the killings and framing her mother because her two sons would then inherit the bulk of the family estate, which includes Ben Novak's large collection of Batman memorabilia, including a Batmobile, if Narcy was convicted. And Narcy's daughter, May, accused her mother of practicing voodoo. Could this case get any weirder? Amputee porn? Sadomasochism? Strippers? Porn stars? May denied the allegations and was never charged. And Narcy Novak did not testify. She was interviewed for hours after the killing and took a polygraph test, which she failed. And she said only a monster could do such an evil thing. So on July 16th, four days after the murder, the police searched the Novak family home at 2501 Delmar Place in Fort Lauderdale. It's a two-story, 6,000-square-foot residence, has six bedrooms, and sits on a half-acre lot. It's located in the Seven Isles neighborhood. The home looks like a mini-resort, kind of like a mini Fountain Bleu. And during the execution of the search warrant, officers seized security footage of the house, miscellaneous paperwork, several computers, copies of the Novak's bills, phone book, and a day planner, and perhaps the most important, five rolls of duct tape. A few clues were revealed in the search of the hotel room where he was murdered that pointed to an inside job and not a botched robbery. For one thing, his Rolex wasn't taken. So under Ben Novak Jr.'s will, his mother, had she lived, would have been appointed as curator of his estate and would have received 200000 in cash plus $2,500 a month. Although Narcy Novak would receive the balance and the bulk of her husband's property and money, Bernice would have exercised great control over the purse strings. And she probably would have made it very difficult for her daughter-in-law, whom she once accused of trying to poison her. <laughs> Jeez. Nice family. Novak's attorney, Howard Tanner, had argued that his client should receive 27 years instead of life without the possibility of parole. Tanner pinned everything on Cristobal, Narcy's brother. Cristobal used his credit card um, to purchase the dumbbells that we used to beat Ben Novak. 
he also used his credit card to uh, purchase the knife that was used to cut out Ben's uh, eyes. Who in turn pinned everything on Narcy's daughter, May. But May Abad was never considered a suspect in either one of the murders. With her mother now convicted, Abad's two grown sons are designated to inherit the estate. So Novak did not attend her own sentencing, but she listened to her fate on a speaker in a room adjacent to the courtroom, and the judge called her absence a final act of cowardice. So Narcy Novak, who ordered the hitman to gouge out her husband's eyes, will now never see the light of day outside of prison. The trophy wife now wakes up every morning at the crack of dawn in prison, lying on a cot surrounded by concrete block walls, sort of like the spite wall that was built by Ben Novak Sr. to shade the Eden Rock pool. Instead of wearing designer clothes, she dons a prison jumpsuit and some tennis shoes and takes on her tasks of the day, which surely include scrubbing toilets and mopping floors. Considering the way Bernice and Ben were beaten to death, it seems like she got off easy. But sometimes criminals do get what they deserve. I want to leave you with a story that just happened here in Martin County, just north of Palm Beach County, on I-95. An officer, a 19-year veteran with the Florida Highway Patrol, Joseph Bullock, Trooper Joseph Bullock, he also was an Air Force veteran. He was in his cruiser on I-95 and he noticed a stranded motorist. So he pulled over to help he didn't pull over to give him a ticket. He pulled over out of the goodness of his heart to help him because Trooper Bullock was a good man. It is a testament to his professionalism. And he was, like I said, a field training officer. He mentored younger troopers. Just a great guy and, and a, a sad day for the patrol. And if a trooper pulls somebody over for a ticket, usually they ask, do you have a firearm in the car? Or the person is supposed to declare the firearm. Well, in this case, he was just helping the guy. So he, Trooper Bullock had no idea that this guy had a gun. And why would the guy use the gun on this trooper? This makes our 49th trooper looks lost in the line of duty since the Florida Highway Patrols uh, founded 80 years ago. That's another key indicator on how dangerous it is out working on our interstate highways. So that is FHP Colonel Gene Spaulding, and he says the person that broke down shot and killed Trooper Joseph Bullock in cold blood. An off-duty Riviera Beach paramedic, Riviera Beach is just north of West Palm Beach and just to the west of Palm Beach. So an off-duty Riviera Beach paramedic tried to save Trooper Bullock, but as he approached the scene, he heard more gunshots. My first instinct was to try to drag the trooper behind his vehicle just in case gunfire erupted again. I knew right then that his injuries were fatal. So that's Dwayne Watson, the Master Public Information Officer for Revere Beach Fire Rescue. Apparently, the tow truck driver that was called to the scene told witnesses that the suspect got irate over having to pay for a tow to tow the car. And witnesses say he began shooting and he shot the officer, but the shooter's gun jammed, which gave the tow truck driver time to escape. So then a passing officer from Riviera Beach Police Department. So you've got the Riviera Beach paramedic and now you've got a Riviera Beach policeman who's off duty was able to pull up on the scene and shoot the gunman. He took him out. 95 was closed in both directions all day yesterday. It was unbelievable. And then when they took the body of Trooper Bullock to the medical examiner's office, the procession of law enforcement that followed the trooper's body went on for miles. Joe was one of the troopers that went out every day, did his job quietly, professionally, and with the utmost dedication. And it is a tragic, tragic loss.
All of the flags are at half-staff now for FHP, and we are mourning this senseless killing. And it's one of the hardest jobs out there, and that's why it's, it's so tragic that we did lose a, a brother that without trying to do his job and protect the citizens of this great state. That wraps up Full Rigor. Thanks for joining me. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors... We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.